Hi, I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Peter Oldring, and we're the hosts of This Is That. Are you kidding? For over a decade, we were radio's go-to source for completely fabricated news. You must be joking me. And now, we're back in podcast form. We've selected some of our favorite stories from over the years and put them in one convenient location. Sugar in the tap water. Bilingual dog park. Charging to see wildlife. This Is That, coming soon on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Before Party of Five, before Scream, Nev Campbell planned to be a ballerina. When she was a kid, she got into one of the most prestigious ballet schools in the world, the National Ballet of Canada. And she'll be here to tell you what happened to that dream, how she dealt with those complicated feelings, and how all of that led to her being behind a new film about ballet, about her old school, and about her idol, Karen Kane. Nev Campbell, coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So yeah, like I say, Nev Campbell, known for Party of Five and, and Scream. But when she was a kid, she was obsessed with ballet. And I don't mean like she sat on the carpet and like did point with her teddy bears. No, when she was a kid, she was really serious about ballet. She attended the National Ballet School of Canada, the National Ballet of Canada School. Right. And, and Nev will tell you a little bit what happened to that dream. It's a little heartbreaking, I think, to hear what happens to a childhood dream. You know, even when your life turns out like Nev Campbell's, which is so much more beautiful than you ever could have imagined. Anyway, all of that led to a new film she's executive producing, and it's called Swan Song, a documentary that follows the Canadian ballet icon Karen Kane as she directs Swan Lake. All the while, she's counting down the days to her own retirement. And what you end up seeing, I think, is a bit of a love letter from Nev to Karen and Nev processing, in my opinion, that childhood dream and going back to where she spent a big chunk of her early life. That film had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. I was so grateful to talk about it with Nev Campbell. Here's our conversation. Nev, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I think we talked last time because of Scream, and then we talked before about something else, but you came in. Mm-hmm. But this is a different way to talk to you. This is your first time coming to TIFF. As a on, producer. Yeah, on the other side of the camera. Yeah. What's that been like for you? Really nice. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't have to worry about like criticism of my performance. Or <laughs> 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 no, to be honest, I... <sighs> I like being behind the scenes. I like the creative process. I like, you know, working with other minds and it not being about just the performance, but about sort of the essence of the project that you're creating and why you're creating it and what it means and forming it. I love that process. So I'm enjoying it. It's different than producing something that you don't have anything to do with. Yeah. This is in some ways still feels personal to me. Very much so for me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your history with ballet? It's your first love, right? My first love, yeah. And I started dancing when I was six. And by the time I was nine, I went to National Ballet School. And uh, I was there for five years. And, um, you know, dance was my first career. Uh, so when uh, Chelsea McMullen, the director of this, and Sean O'Neill, our other filmmaker, uh, approached me a year and a half ago and asked me whether I would want to be a part of a project that was bringing light to the National Ballet of Canada, but also to Karen Kane um, for her swan song, for her to direct a swan lake on the National Ballet as her goodbye. I was like, do you guys understand? Do you have any idea <laughs> the connection here? Karen Kane was my idol growing up. I am an artist in a big part because of her. 
I remember being nine years old and sitting on the edge of my seat watching her do Swan Lake. I remember it viscerally, clearly. And I remember thinking, oh, you can storytell. You can storytell through your body. You can tell a story and and have an entire audience be enraptured and be moved. No words. No words. No words. No words. Just movement. Yeah. She was incredible. And I was like, this, this is, this is my dream. This is what I want. And, and the power of not just dance, but storytelling. Um, yeah, really moved me. And my my dad is a super numerary for the company. Like he goes on as basically background performer for the company. My stepmother has been a part of the ward a wardrobe coordinator was for thirty five years of the company. Like I'm so attached to this yeah. story yeah. in so many ways um, that it was just so perfect. I felt kismet. What was that like being nine and going to the National Ballet School? Amazing. I mean, I didn't really know what it was when uh, my teacher at the time, I was at Erinvale School of Dance in Mississauga, which was in the basement behind a swimming pool in the community center behind our house growing up. And she said, you know, you've got something. You've got something. She actually said it to my dad. And she said, she should really audition for National Ballet School. He didn't know what it was. She gave us a brochure. I remember the brochure. I remember looking at it and thinking, I have to wear a uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And then I remember auditioning for the school. It was my first audition experience. And I remember starting there. And the discipline. I mean, the school, they start early in the morning. And it's all through. The, it's all day long. You're dancing yeah. and doing academics. Your kids. Your kids. Your kids. Yeah. Little kids. And people, kids move away. Like, yeah. From their oh, yeah. And, people yeah. live there. Yeah. I lived there for a few years. Yeah. Um, and it's your entire life, you know. But you're also getting the greatest training in the world. Like one top three, let's say the National Ballet of Canada is top three in ballet companies in the world. The school's certainly first or second. Um, so you're really lucky, you know, really lucky to get a place and um, to get that kind of training. Um, yeah, it was great. It was hard. I also was struggling physically. I just had a lot of injuries from very early. And the National is great. The company and the school are great. They have physiotherapy. They have yeah. teams of people in place for, for injury. Um, and I was with the physiotherapist at nine years old already, every week, to the point where I was in there so much, I was doing ultrasound on the other kids. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting trained yeah, in ballet. I literally was thinking, maybe I'll be a physio. <laughs> maybe I'd enjoy that more. Um, but I loved dancing, but... But, but the the competitiveness um, and the, you know the comparison that you do of yourself and how hard you can become on yourself can be quite trying at that age, um, and I found it really I found it very difficult. Um, can I ask why uh, yeah. you left? For that reason. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I had the in, I had injuries. I was struggling with my body, but I also just had that thing of like. Um, feeling like it had become so much about the discipline and, and so much about work, and I'd lost sort of my love for it, love for the movement um, and the storytelling. I've sort of come to terms, come to peace with a lot of my old dance stuff. You know, yeah. I got to make this movie 
about dance, which I can't say the name of because of the SAG strike right now. But oh, is that so? Yeah. Okay, I'm I have some questions about it later this yeah. week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. but you can talk about it, but I can't okay, like say the name of good it. Um, okay. You know, in making that project, that really helped me exercise my need to figure out my trauma around dance yeah. and my need to dance and, and my need to prove myself as that as well. Um, so I feel like I was able to let any of the negative stuff go um, back then. And in watching this now, yeah, it triggered me. <laughs> I mean, I look at these dancers, and I'm like, oh, poor young me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also understand their drive and their passion. Like if you have to do it, you have to do it. You can't not do it. I was wondering whether there was like sense memory, like these. Oh yeah, even when I I used to, when I had had the injuries and I'd moved into acting and I hadn't done that film yet, I I couldn't listen to classical music. Oh wow! Literally couldn't listen to classical music because I would just fall because of what that does to me and my memories and my body. And, and all of a sudden, everything. you're going back into the National Ballet. You're smelling all those things. Oh saying, yeah, oh, everything. Just the boxes of rosin and the pink tights, the tights and the outfits and the hair and the I don't know the smell of backstage and wings and the whole shebang. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you talked a little bit about Karen Kane there, and I'm glad you talked about your experience with it, mm-hmm. um, because maybe that was one of my favorite parts of the film. It was so fascinating to see the dancers when Karen would come around and write them. Mm they would be in awe of her and kind of afraid of her. Yeah. You know what I mean? She held a lot of power. Yeah. A lot. And she's an icon. All the power. Yeah. You know, and she was an icon. Imagine being Karen and being in that place. Yeah. To walk into a room and know that everyone is a little bit scared and that you hold their entire careers, their entire careers in your hand. Um, That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a big burden. It sounds like that's something you were interested in as well, not just the impact of that power, but the, the holding of the of power Of what itself. that is for her. To, and also to go from being prima ballerina and moving so gracefully into taking over this company and running it. Um, but also I was interested in the challenges of it. And she's so humble. You know, what I love about this is you get to watch this person that we all admire be at a loss at moments. And you realize, oh, she's just an artist. Yeah. She's an artist who's trying to find it and trying to figure figure out what this. And she's not sure. She's she's got insecurity, and then she finds it. She figures it out, and that's what makes a great artist is a person who's not afraid to sort of fall on their face. And why can't we just have bare legs? We can. No, we can. We can. I mean, maybe I won't like it, but I, I watch it in cons- contemporary works, and I think yeah, it looks fantastic. I'm only concerned that that we get there and a week beforehand you just think I would love to see something else and that we don't, didn't prepare for that if you're ready that's it's fine it's just that I wanted that I wanted it to look like skin I didn't no, want it Karen, to look I like want tights. I want exactly what you want I, I only know. worry for you I just got worried you know she she made the choice in this film it was very important to her that the dancers not wear tights not wear pink tights to raise the issue of racism in the ballet world talk talk a little bit yeah. more about that it's mostly white. It's always, it's been white, you know, um, for centuries. Um, and that needed to shift. And the company is very diverse, actually. But what hadn't shifted was the fact that these dancers, even in Swan Lake, it's a very old school traditional ballet, mm-hmm. are all wearing pink tights. Mm-hmm. They're even using wet wipe to wipe down their skin, which is not right. Mm-hmm. It's not right. It hasn't been right certainly can't be the case now. Um, And it was important to her 
that the dancers be represented fully as themselves and their their beauty, their their beautiful skin, their beautiful selves, you know. So, um, and to bring that up, to raise that and point it out, I think was brave. How was it getting to spend time with her for you? Oh my god! <laughs> when did you meet her first? Um, well, I first met her when I was nine. Okay, walking behind her, she had been at the National Ballet School. I don't know why. And I was walking about 20 feet behind her. I had my bun, my hair in a bun. Yeah. I had my school uniform on. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God. She's walking like this, pigeon footed, yeah. <laughs> like a duck. Um, <laughs> and, and I just was so following her. And at some point, she stopped at the light. And she turned around. And she said, do you want to talk to me? <laughs> oh, that's like, so I sweet. I don't even remember what I said. I don't know what I said, to be honest. But she was very sweet to me for that moment. And I remember getting on the subway after and being like, oh, Karen, can you talk to me? <laughs> she signed some point shoes for me once, and I held those in my room for many decades. And, and now you got to spend some time with her making this thing. Today, I spent the whole day with her doing press, and it's so surreal for me. It's so surreal. It's ma- I mean, magic, honestly. It's, I was saying to my kids yesterday, I was like, you guys, can you imagine, like, think of, I can't name anybody, like, for, for my son, Messi, you know. So just imagine if you got to spend the day with Messi. That's mm. what it's going to be like for me tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but like you said, the, the most beautiful thing about, and I've got to talk to her a couple of times, mm-hmm. thank God, is um, that you're right. If she was a god, if mm. she was this unfallible figure, mm. you're right. One of the great things the documentary does is shows that she struggles too and yeah. she's an, she doesn't have all the right answers too. Yeah. She is a master, but we only get there from doing hard work and doing the work to find, to find the thing, mm-hmm. you know? She obviously always pushed, pushed, pushed till she would get there. And she did again. The she we're talking about there is Karen Kane. You're listening to Nev Campbell talking about Karen Kane, who is the subject of Nev's new documentary, which is called Swan Song, which, if you missed this part, it's a real passion project for Nev. She grew up as a really serious ballet dancer, and then she, you know, she left the school and, and became the really great actor we know today. Here's something interesting about that. This is actually the second time that Nev has produced a film about ballet. The first one came out in 2003, which was a very different time in Nev's career. Anyway, just uh, take a listen to this. This is supposed to be the 60s. This is what the 60s were all about. Kids all over the country protesting against the war, trying to change the world. So they bent the rules. They turned to drugs. They, They took off their clothes. They made a noise. All that went into this ballet. You see, it's not the steps, babies. It's what's inside that really counts. So this is the 20th anniversary of The Company, mm. a film about um, a young ballet dancer at the Joffrey Ballet Company in Chicago, directed by Robert Altman. You came up with the story of that film you produced and starred in it. What is it about ballet you think makes for good storytelling? I think we're always enamored by athleticism, artistry, but... I think it's just humanity, isn't it? It's it's seeing someone challenge themselves and overcome um, hardship, whether it's physical hardship, mental hardship, um, accomplishing something, creating something beautiful, creating something that that communicates. Um, and also, it's just this weird world over there that so many people know nothing about. Yeah, I think that's interesting too, right? Um, because it, for a long time, was only for a certain kind of audience, you know. 
and and now we're trying to pull it out of that 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 old school world and uh, bring it to a bigger audience and have people appreciate. And, you know, contemporary dance has done that and modern dance has done that. The, the fact that these companies now can't just do, no one, no one would pay attention to the National Ballet if they were just doing classical ballets. Mm. Wasn't it also a shift in perception for you? I mean, Party of Five had just ended and um, we thought the screen movies were over. We were wrong, but mm. we thought there was, there was <laughs> no more screen movies. The company was... Um, I think it was you being seen in a more serious light. Mm -hmm. What did you learn through making that about public perception of of an actor based on their previous work? Um, Do you know what I mean? I I do know what you mean, and I try not to think about public perception. Oh, yeah? Because I think it won't help me. I think if I think about public perception, I'll be afraid to try anything new. Did you know that then? I think for whatever reason, even from when I was young, I wanted to try new things. I wanted to play characters that I hadn't been seen in before. I, I didn't feel that, I didn't desire to stay safe um, in what people loved me for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I desired to expand as an actor, to grow, to challenge myself, to see if I could do it, not yeah. do it. I don't read reviews. Yeah. Um, it won't help me <laughs> uh, because then I'll get scared. Yeah. You know, and it's the same for now. You know, I've optioned some books and I want to, I really want to pursue doing more producing. I would love to direct at some point. So I want to start sort of brainstorming on what that might look like. Um, but yeah, I try not to think about public perception. It's only, uh, yeah, it's only going to hurt you. I think that's why I don't spend a lot of time in social media or anything. Oh, me too. Just, I, know I, I find it really tough. I find sometimes that I want, um, if I want to feel bad, at, like if I want the mean voices that are in my head Go read what people are saying true, about you. <laughs> go read what people <laughs> yeah. are saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're not true. Yeah, no. <laughs> but did you, um, I guess I asked, did, did you know that then? But was it, a, was it? A, I know you wanted to tell that story, but was it also you going like, hey, look, I'm more than what you might yeah. think of me? I mean, I certainly knew that I had been sort of stuck in a, I had been typecast in a way. Oh, yeah. Because not not that the TV show was, the character was so identical to the big film, you know, franchise that I was known for, but... Um, but I was just so known. They were so, so iconic, those roles, apparently. Um that I wanted to make sure that I could be perceived as something else, you know, but only because I want, not because I cared what people think, but because I wanted to make sure that there was space for me yeah. to keep trying new things, to make the that I would that have those opportunities that, yeah. and that I could create those opportunities for myself. We'll be right back. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. I 
I have one more. I have a clip I want to play. Okay. Um, it's from you promoting that project. Could you put your headphones on? Yeah. The way this business is now, this the, the film industry is now, it's a completely different animal than it even was five years ago. You know, what we dealt with, with, um, you know, the threat of the actor's strike and then September 11th, you know, where the studios five years ago were fearful of making challenging movies or different movies, they're even more so now. So for me to make a project that I like or something that means something to me, I feel like I have to go forward and try and do it on my own. How about that, hey? Wow. So that's you 20 years ago talking wow. about the difficulties in getting that project off the ground. Yeah. I mean, swap out 9-11 for COVID <laughs> and you could be saying the same thing today, except that act- actors actually are on strike yeah. this time. Yeah. As someone, well, actually, let me just, what, what was your reaction to hearing that just then? Uh, it's just, it's fascinating that here we are in another similar situation, you know, there's still challenges in this industry. Um we're all still struggling to sort of figure out how to m- work in this business and create new things despite studios um, and limitations. Um, and here I am still talking about sort of wanting to make sure I don't get limited. So at least I'm staying on track. <laughs> yeah. Does it, uh, uh, can you still be hopeful that there is room for storytelling like that these days? I can because here we are. We, we got to make this film, which was great. Um, there are still challenges. I th- you know, we've definitely moved into t- the TV world is where most of the storytelling is now. I think film, I think we're all aware that film-wise it's very challenging, you know. Um, it hasn't gotten easier. It didn't, you know, when, where it became limited, the amount of films each studio was making, that hasn't really changed. And now it's so much like... Uh, big superhero films or um, remakes or um, franchises. A uh, uh, known IP and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, known IP, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I I try not – I still – I guess if I were really to go deep, I would probably throw out the books I just bought <laughs> and think, oh, it's impossible. But I think you just have to get past that, you know, the impossible, the feeling of impossible. I think you just have to put one foot in front of the other and keep trying until someone actually says no. <laughs> yeah. The books you just bought, meaning the... Uh, I just optioned a few books that I want to develop. Oh, see, I'm I'm so uh, rural. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder what books she went down to. Oh. <laughs> she went down to Indigo? I wonder what she picked up. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't oh. clear. Um but be- because I want to, you know, uh, tell some stories that I think are interesting and, and may not be out there. Um, so I'm going to keep trying. I um, and let me know if you don't want to talk about this. Okay. When I was um, when I when I Googled Nev Campbell dance yeah. to get ready for this interview. I came across this story about you that I didn't know. OK. Uh-oh. About that you. And I would never normally ask about it, but I do find it funny <laughs> that you dance. You got invited to the to the UK to like maybe Buckingham Palace. Did you dance oh, with Harry? Yeah. Um, I was not invited to Buckingham Palace. What's the story? And I was not invited. I lived in England. But you crashed it, did you? No, <laughs> I lived in England. I went to a girl's birthday party, and Harry happened to be there. And what happened? And we danced. We danced. We danced. And we had a very surreal conversation where he told me that he had a poster of me on his wall when he was a kid. <laughs> like, what? What did you make of that? <laughs> I mean, what do you make of that? <laughs> like, how does that? Where? At Buckingham Palace? You had a, what? Like, how does that compute? 
Or maybe it was just a line, too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know what? That's not a bad... Yeah, Betty's tried that one on before. You know, you, you know I had a, a Pilposka view. The queen saw it every day. Yeah, yeah, right, right. What was that like for you? Surreal. Yeah. Weird, weird. And I met him a couple times after that, too. But, um, yeah, those was one of those just crazy moments where you're like, oh, my life is a little nuts, a little unlike other lives. I love it. Yeah. I also love that he gave it a shot. I know. <laughs> Can't blame him for trying. No. Um, did making this film change your relationship with dance? Did it make you want to dance again? Did it make you feel differently about the the art form? Every time I watch dance, I like I if I listen to music, if I listen to classical music, I see choreography. I I dream choreography sometimes. It's so very much a part of my being. Um, that there's no way for me to sort of shut myself off from it when I'm observing it. Um, but I do at the same time look at, at these dancers and go, oh gosh, poor young me, I remember. And it was hard and good for them. But I'm glad I'm not doing it. <laughs> 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 I'm glad I found something else. Nev Campbell, thanks for coming in and talking to me, because I really love the film. Thank you. Thank you. My conversation with Nev Campbell, who executive produced the documentary Swan Song about the Canadian ballet icon Karen Kane. That's hitting theaters across Canada throughout the next few weeks, starting tonight in Toronto. Then an expanded four-part limited series of Swan Song will premiere on CBC Gem and CBC TV in late November. All right, that's it for the show today. The other episode we put up today is uh, my conversation with the author Essie Adujan, who is known for writing like... I mean, I love her books. Washington Black is incredible. Half-Blood Blues is incredible. But these are deeply researched historical novels. I mean, Essie has told me stories about spending, like, you know, months, if not years, in dusty archives. And this time she got to, I don't know, take it a little bit easy, but still, like, tap into her love of, of writing in a different way. It's a children's book. It's called Garden of Lost Socks. And on the other episode we put up today, Essie Adujan tells you all about it. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.